This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. Well, I'm uh start by giving God some glory and praise. Um, real thankful this morning for his just his ability to change us. Uh, my attempts at changing myself are laughable at best. You know, I we want quick change nowadays and I find a lot of times my my attempts at changing myself are just willpower. And when that runs out, it just leaves you just discouraged. And, uh, but God's after a real change in your life. And it takes time to change. Uh, but with God, when He changes you, it lasts. And I'm just thankful for that. One of the things that uh, seemed to just be reoccurring in my life that I, I know now that it's because I've been trying to change it. It's just the, the feeling of just getting overwhelmed by life and letting things just wear at you to the point you just feel buried. It just it keeps happening. And I, somehow I just feel shocked every time. Like this is something that's never happened before. But this morning I just want to look at a few things that uh, I'm trying to apply to my life and I really, I just really hope that they'll uh, instruct you guys and uh, remind you of some things that possibly you already know, but most of all maybe encourage you in the future. We all grew up in this just amazing country where you know, if you work hard and you do your best, life, life's good. And things get better, and then you get to see your kids do the same thing, and then your grandkids. And We're seeing now that structure and that kind of hope that we have in, in just the financial life and our freedoms that we have in this country. It, it kind of is... For a while, we could see it slipping away, but now at times it feels like it's just disappearing. And that could be very discouraging. Shelly just visited Dallas here last weekend, and she was just telling me, like, whoa, we live in a bubble. When you get out there, it is it, the world is changing. And it's shocking to us, you know, living here in small towns in the south, and then you go to a big big city and it's just overwhelming what's really going on. The entertainment industry is just, you know, it, it may have been subtle at one time. They'd say, oh, they're brainwashing the kids. Well, now they're just indoctrinating them. And it's every day there's a scandal and someone's covering something up and uh, it just feels like there's no justice out there. There's no core belief in anything and I feel like probably the worst thing that we experience and can be the most discouraging 
shocker that they're called good, evil, and evil good. It's happening right before our eyes to the point where one plus one doesn't equal one or two anymore. Me personally, I find myself with a gut full of it. I do. Jeremiah, the twelfth chapter. Jeremiah was living in times a lot like ours. And in a nation that was heading straight for God's judgment, just like ours is, I believe. With this in mind, I wanted us to look at something that God told Jeremiah because I believe that we need to hear it. Uh, I know that it definitely applies to how we deal with the world and the times that we're facing, uh, both now and that are coming in the future, but I also think that it can apply to each of us on a personal level, uh, battles that we fight in our families and together as a whole in the church. Uh, we often have a saying to each other, how's life treating you? But the idea that uh, I'm trying to apply to my life is, how am I treating life? Because life's happening all around us, and it's going to happen. And it's really, are you going to happen to it, or is it going to happen to you? You have a choice to either just lay back and uh, let life determine what you're going to be, or you can determine what your life's going to be. So the Israelites and Judah, their hearts have become wicked. They're murdering, lying, idolatrous. Uh, they begin to worship Baal. Jeremiah's warning them of God's coming judgment. That's falling on deaf ears, which is no doubt a discouragement. And perhaps the worst thing is as he's warning every one of God's coming judgments, they seem to just be prospering. Life couldn't be better. In a time that God's showing grace and mercy and kindness hopefully lead people to repentance, Satan is sowing seeds of doubt in their mind that there's any consequences for sin and disobedience. Thou shalt not surely die now. That's where we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet let me talk with you of your judgments. I find myself there. I, God, now I know, I know that you know what's going on and you have the grand plan and you're all-knowing and you see things in a different way, but let me share with you the way I see things and the way I feel about some things. And I'm, I think it's about time for some of these promises. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are all happy that deal very treacherously? You have planted them Yea, they have taken root. They grow. Yea, they bring forth fruit. You are near their mouth, but you're far from their, vein, their reins. 
You ever look around at the people that are in power in this country and in the world and just go, what? I am not the brightest person walking. I am not. But I, I think I've got some of them beat. And it's mind-blowing. It truly is. And you look around and you think, really? We can't get some godly men and women to run this whole planet? This is what we put forth? Because we wouldn't vote them in out of this room. I wouldn't vote them in out of my house. Still, it happens. It makes us very relatable what Jeremiah's approaching God with, doesn't it? And look what he says here. You are near in their mouth and far from their reins. There is nothing that will aggravate us more than when we hear one of these greedy slimeballs quoting Scripture to make some point. It just irks you to no end. They honor them with... Yeah, when it's convenient, they're going to bring God into the situation. How dare them. Now you know where Jeremiah's at, right? But you, O Lord, you know me. You've seen me. You've tried my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep from the for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. You ever look around and be like, they would throw me under the bus. God, you would bust me. What is the deal? How are they getting away with these things? I can't tell you how many times I've just pleaded with God, say, God, expose them now. You got them cornered. Bust the lip. You have national television now, God. Just, you know, all the wicked things they're doing in dark, you promise, hey, I'm going to shine a light on it. Now's your chance. Do it. Punish them. Show, them exact, show the world exactly what is to come. This is what happens when you disobey God. We all see it and there's just the desire there to want it and long for it. Justice, real truth to happen. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed and the birds because they say he shall not see our last end. And then something amazing happens. Verse 5. Jeremiah quits talking and God starts talking. I can only imagine that there was probably a dramatic pause there, perhaps. Give him time to make sure he was finished. Now God's going to answer the question. And I just... I love God's Word so much and I just love the way God puts things. He's not just going to come out and tell him what he's saying. He's going to make him think. He's going to take him on a ride. He says this to Jeremiah, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the swelling of Jordan? In my studies of this verse, there are basically two applications I saw. One was just uh, from the standpoint of running a race with men versus running with horses. And uh, the other was uh, that it was a battlefield, military analogies of what. Uh, how, how you first would fight men and then uh, the cavalry. 
Either way, God is telling Jeremiah basically that uh, you, you haven't seen anything yet. You just haven't. The fight's only getting started. He's indicating to Jeremiah that uh, even though he's found his current circumstances to be difficult, his future situation was going to be a lot more difficult. Tougher times were coming. You're worn out from running with just these men. How is it that you're ever going to run against horses? And from the battlefield's point of view, uh, if these men have got you so banged up and beat up that you just can't make it, what are you going to do when the cavalry shows up? Because there's more to come than what you've faced thus far. If you're tired or weary walking in the land of peace, how are you going to make it through the swelling of the Jordan? That's, uh, I think they translate that, the thicket a lot. The picture is Clint's Creek Bank. Now stroll down the creek. It stops at his property line. It's a little bit different. I got cracked up this morning thinking about that. Uh, Clint and I used to be, be big creek fishermen and people would come in, out-of-towners, never been done such a thing, and they think they'd hit the bank on the way back so they'd have to slip on the rocks. Not long, not in Arkansas. You're going to get back to the water. The rocks are your friend. <laughs> You're going to be scraped, bloody, covered in parasites. That's the picture. You're walking through this peacefully cleared land and you're getting worn out. How are you going to make it through the thicket? Tougher times. Harder roads ahead. These verses are were very humbling to me when I look at myself because it's quite sad just how weary just the footmen have made me in my life. Worn out. How, how I can get from just the day to day I mean, I don't even know that it's basic training or boot camp. And I, you know, Ooh. unto thee, O Lord, I cry out. Oh, oh, you slay me with the axe. Just the basic day-to-day grind that we face can wear me down so thin that it's just, it's, it's sad. It's not to make light of the things that I face every day, or the things that you face every day, or the challenges that we're facing together. Uh, but I just really feel like the things that I experience are somewhat of a rock in the shoe. And I know we know what I'm talking about, but. It's the mother that says, I think I may have just had a contraction. Oh, you think? You're about to know. Am I right, ladies? Things are going to head down a road. And it doesn't get easier first. I watched a uh, video the other day that was pretty eye-opening about these slums in Jamaica 
I think about that today there's children, young children that will go through garbage to find things to eat. That's a reality. Whether I really know it or not, it is true. Today, that's what's going to happen. People have lost their children and they don't know where they are. I know where mine are. Today someone will get the news that there's, there's no more treatment options. There's no more hope. The crazy thing to me is to think about the reality that someone for doing what we're doing here is going to be beaten, perhaps tortured today. There are people today that will be doing what we're doing here this morning in secret and in fear. Today. But yet, I'm so overwhelmed that I can't get here every Wednesday night. That's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. It reveals to me how unprepared I am and just how weary I'll let things make me. I have a good friend that was... He's one of the guys that they make war movies about. He's an amazing guy. Amazing guy. How he still has his sanity, I have no idea. Uh, one of the most amazing conversations I ever had with him was him telling me, because he obviously had a lot of ins and outs, people that he was training that were, were under his command, and he said the toughest thing was when you were trying to explain to them what they were about to get out of the tank into. He knew this from experience. He knew what was coming. They didn't. Just the urgency of trying to explain to them what they were about to face. He said you can only hope that they were listening and that they were really prepared. But he said it wasn't, it's not until the bullets start flying that you knew who was actually preparing themselves for what was to come. The reality of it is that as we speak, each one of us in our lives are running against footmen in some way. We are. And we will be tomorrow. What I want us to understand is that avoiding them is not the goal, number one. And number two, avoiding them is not possible. Because we are at war with Satan. The goal is to not become wearied by running with them. I wanted to look at four ways, four things that I am trying my best to apply my life to keep me from becoming weary in the run. I hope they'll be a blessing to you as well. James 1 tells us to count it joy when we fall into various trials because it brings forth patience and endurance and that's what will uh, lead us, make us perfect and want and need nothing. That's what causes it. 
So the first thing I have here is to thank God for the footmen in our lives. They are what will give us the strength and the endurance that we will one day need. And when we know God's purpose for allowing them in our lives, that's where we can see the value that we have when we in facing them every day. If your goal is to bench press 300 pounds, you know you you have to start. First, you got to be able to bench press the bar, yeah. And all that in between stuff isn't just pushing around dead weight for no reason. It's in preparation for the fact that one day life's going to unload a 300 pounder on you, and you're going to be able to lift it, right? It's not wasted time and effort. God will teach us something in every challenge if we're willing to learn. I do pretty good, in my opinion, with one challenge at a time. You know, it's, it's kind of my job. It's dealing with other people's problems. I need this fixed. Okay. One challenge at a time, I can take that on. Maybe two. It's seldom that problems come at us in ones and twos. And when it's multiple problems, multiple challenges, that's when I find myself getting overwhelmed. And these footmen, from the military standpoint, that's exactly what they were designed for. They weren't necessarily the strongest most trained men, but there were a lot of them. And they were to overwhelm you to where you just, you're beat down. I can, you, you can whoop one of them, but you can't whoop them all, right? That was the goal and the purpose behind all the footmen. Here's a morning for you at random, selected from nowhere. Deadline at work. <clears throat> the trash that the dogs have sorted out through the yard needs to be recollected and to the road by the end of the uh, morning. Uh, just enough time to get the boys to school before your doctor's appointment. One of them is no doubt asleep in the shower at this point, followed by a bucket of black old bay stain spilt on the kitchen floor, on the walls, ceiling, the nearest paint thinners, 30-minute round trip. It's just random. See, any one of those things is not a big deal, you know? It just, hey, life is life. But all at once leaves you Overwhelmed, right? Because that's the only word for it, isn't it? Overwhelmed. Job accomplished. There you are. Shelly told me the other day, she said, you know, you really can't make a list of all the things you want to change about yourself and then in three days, when they're not changed, be down on yourself because it didn't happen. <laughs> it's true. 
It's taking on a little too much. I want to fix things fast, get them out of the way, move on to the next challenge. But God wants us to really learn to really handle the issue. I've applied several strategies to the dog problem in the trash. You can go over those in private. Um, but given enough budget and time, I can make it to where I'm the only, only human via retinal scan that can get to my garbage. So I can stop the problem, can I not? So are the dogs the problem or is it me? Do you really, really, is your heart's desire to fix this issue? Or do you just want to blame the dogs? God wants us to tr truly change our heart and really want change. And then He can provide it for us. Until then, enjoy picking up the trash. You have the power to change it. You just have to have the desire behind that. He wants us to see our weakness and our need for Him and His wisdom and guidance. The same footman that Satan wants to use to tear us down, God will use them to build us up. Satan wants to make us weak through these footmen, and God will make us strong through the same men. The next point is, don't waste it, learn from it. All of it. So you didn't have to deal with it in vain, right? <laughs> Else it's just, uh, okay, so they're getting in there this way now, right? You learn something new and apply it. Learn from your progress and your mistakes. Celebrate and take note of every victory so you can learn from it. If you take note of the victories that you have in, in, your, in, your, in your goals, you will see the strength that God is providing you. You stopped any destructive habits or bad habits in your life? Most people don't. You overcome any kinds of addiction in your life? Most people don't. Have you shown mercy and patience? Have you forgiven someone? Most people don't do that. That's not a human nature thing, so how'd you do it? You see, if you start to see the things you're doing in your life and the things that God is producing in your life, you can see them at work. Changing things in your life that no one else even knows about. Doing the right thing when no one's looking. Being honest even when it costs, ends up costing you something. Things that in your nature are not there. If you learn to look at those things and celebrate them, you can see God. It's a lot easier to stick to a diet if you you know, look in the mirror every now and then and see that, hey, change is possible. Real progress is slow.
slow progress is real. Learn to see the value in your experience and your mistakes. <clears throat> if you ask my wife how to make gravy, she's going to lead you astray because she's going to tell you how you do it. But she's going to miss one ingredient, and that's experience. That's it. She's told me how to make it multiple times. I cannot do it. She does it like it's nothing because she's done it. I can tell you how to tile a shower. I mean, bore you to tears, draw you a diagram, but your first one is never going to look like my 50th. It's just not going to. It's not possible because of experience. There is great value in that. You know what else there's value in? You messing up. I can make a pretty tidy shower, but it's taken a lot of bumpy ones to get it looking so nice and clean. It takes a lot of messing up. There is value in where I've gone wrong. Sin and all. Because I promise you, I've been through some sin that some of y'all are going through now possibly. And there is value in that. God gives the value in that. He's the one that's able to turn that around into something of value. Dane and I had this job come up and it was tearing brick off the whole back of a house. And I was stumped. I mean, I felt like I should have known. But I said, I don't know, man. <laughs> we didn't know how to bid it. We just shot from the hip. Long story short, if you know anyone needing brick removed, you call us. We got it. <laughs> it turns out it's quite the easy job. Experience. It takes you from doubt and fear to, hey, no problem. There's value in it. Learn to see it. Everything you're going through is enriching your life. Next thing is to be aware of surprise attacks. That was another job of these footmen. They catch you while they, they storm the camp while you're asleep. Get them first thing in the morning. Or get them while they're already fighting another battle. Then we'll show them. It's easy to stab someone in the back when they're occupied fighting someone else, right? Always be looking for another attack, especially when you're under one. This is something that I just can't seem to get through my thick skull. Is that this is a tactic of Satan. It is a goal. It is part of his plan. And every time I think I get it, it's like, oh, so that's why multiple attacks happen. It's because, oh, so it's like a strategy or something. Yeah, yeah still is. It's why I'm surprised that he's going to overwhelm me with a lot of things. Why, why is that shocking? It's what he does. So when he does it tomorrow, don't be shocked. It's part of his plan. It is part of his plan. You are under his attack. You are not the unluckiest person in the world. You have a ruthless and vicious enemy is what you got. No one has luck that bad. 
Job was not throwing gutter balls and neither are you. He was under attack and so are you. It's not bad luck. You're under attack. And the sooner we get that under our, under our belts and in our heads, we'll realize that it's part of the plan tomorrow and then probably we'll go ahead the next day and the next still be a strategy against us and you're prepared for it. When we're not prepared for that sort of thing, it's like Satan can go around wreaking havoc and then we go to God and say, oh God, why? Oh, why, why are you letting this happen to me? It's Satan that's doing this to you. He's the one that's beating you down. He is. And then we take it to God as if He had something to do with it. You've allowed this. The fourth thing I'm trying to apply is uh, to count my blessings. I found out, I've noticed that the times that I'm the most overwhelmed and just, you know, worked up and just can't seem to get anything the way I need it to be, it's in those times that I, I'm not, I don't notice my blessings at all. I'm not counting them at all. Uh, because it, it, those, that type of thing blinds you to seeing your blessings. Just Saturday morning, I was sitting on my comfortable couch with my wife's little heater blanket. had a heat, space heater on me. Watching the sun come up in my place is pretty nice. Wind's blowing out there on the lake. It was nice. Looking at it, Shelly has a Christmas tree all decorated, and she's, she always buys these ornaments, and they're like sentimental. I used to tease her about it, but they always, she puts a lot of thought into it. They usually apply to something that happened to you the previous year, and I was looking at some of them and laughing, and just counting my blessings. I was feeling good, enjoying the morning, just sipping my coffee, about to get to work on a message for the day, and then it happened. I thought I saw a drip. I've had this roof leak multiple times and I just thought I got it squared away. It's been plaguing me something awful to the point where I've not covered the ceiling yet because now, oh man, what if I cover it up and it leaks again or somewhere else? And then I got to tear off tongue groove ceiling boards, you know, and it starts. Next thing you know, I'm on the same couch thinking about all the things I've got to do and I got to get all the way down there, I got to do this today. I had to work yesterday, put some, speaking of tongue and groove boards, I got to stop and pick up some more stain. Yeah, where'd my blessings go? Where? Where'd they go? They didn't go anywhere. I just chose to take my eyes off of them. We can't let Satan steal our blessings. There's something he can steal from you without ever taking them. It's a choice. We let them. We let them do it. We let them do it. It's unfortunate that a lot of times in life we don't see our blessings until they have been taken away. 
It's very common behavior for us. What I don't want to do is in the future look back on my life now and realize the blessings that I had and the opportunities that I had. Uh, the, The blessings may still be there, but the opportunities most likely won't. And I don't want to look back in the future and have regrets on that. I want to recognize them now, use them while I can, because they may not always be there. Satan wants you to see what you don't have, but God has overwhelmed you with what you do. Satan wants to discourage you by the battle you're in. God wants to encourage you by the battles that you've won. Yeah. Oh man, another one. Well, take heart because we overcome these battles, don't we? We're all facing these footmen in our life and up against them. And there's a lot of them. And for all of each of us, they, some of us, they may be somewhat the same, but each of us, they're, they're all unique to us as a person, even in our own family. They're all unique. We all wake up to a different battle every single day. We have to remember that that is by design. It is the goal to overwhelm us and to discourage us. We have to be prepared for it. The other thing to keep in mind is that most likely the horses are next for some of us. Some of us might be up against horses now. Whatever it is we're facing, most likely greater things are ahead of us. Good news is, a lot of times, uh, better times are ahead too. So we can look forward to that as well. It doesn't mean we don't be prepared for harder times. God wants you to be ready. And He's allowing the things in your life that you need to prepare you for future battles. He wants to give you the strength to face them and to overcome them. Our only job is to just let them do it. Just let them do it. I really hope that by putting these things practice in my life to really pay attention to, to the things that I'm going through and really break them down and uh, realize what is a tactic of Satan and what would God have me learn from these problems so that they're not wasted and to know that um, I'm able to get through this and what do I need to learn from and be okay with learning from my mistakes. It's all right. You're going to make them. The goal is to learn from them.
and to make, let them make you stronger. All these things, I really hope to be able to be a lot more peace in my life, just knowing that I'm doing my best, so that's all I can do. Things are not probably going to go well. They're not going to go perfectly. I'm not unlucky, I'm just under attack. And finally understand that it is all by design and it'll be Satan's plan tomorrow and just be ready for it. Be ready for it and uh, be encouraged by the fact that God is He's there and He wants to carry you through to the other side and He'll do it. And hopefully I won't have to bring another lesson like this because I've learned my lesson this time. Hopefully I'm taking lots and lots of notes. These are... These are uh, going to stay close to me because uh, God's been doing good things for me lately. He just has because I've been letting Him instead of uh, me getting in the way. And I'm excited about that. I really am. And it's real change, not my willpower. It's God's power. Uh, and that, that's eternal. Uh, I can only stay in there so long. God can stay in there forever. I'm encouraged by that. I hope that you are too. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs Brother Dwayne led. Uh, I, love the, I love the verses. It says, uh, Drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Yeah. I know that one day we're all going to look back and that's what we're going to see it as. The drops of grief, no matter how bad it gets. Just drops of grief. And, and how that will pale in comparison to the debt that we'll know that we finally, truly, 100% see and know that we actually owe Jesus and God for what they've done for us. I pray you all have been encouraged by this message. Don't fight the battles alone. We got to be here for each other, and I know that each one of us are here for each other. And uh, the most important thing is that God's here for you. He's not going anywhere. So don't give up. Let Him teach you. He'll bless your ways. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.